Hey, let's open our Bible to Psalm 107. You know, we started this uh, a couple of weeks ago and we had, a, we had a little bit of a break for some unseen uh, circumstances. And, and uh, <clears throat> so I had, I had done uh, part one and I wanted to finish that up and do part two in Psalm 107. So if you'll turn with me there to the Psalms. Really, uh, it's a song. It's a song of thanksgiving, and it's it's really about a song to the Lord who hears us when we cry out to Him, and that that really is the the summation of the whole thing. It's a song to the Lord who hears us when we cry out to Him, no matter what the circumstances might be. In this particular psalm, He gives four different, you know, scenarios, four different circumstances. But but that's only because you know, the, the, you know, He could have written. He could have written, you know, a hundred circumstances, but he, he gives four there. But really, uh, you know, our lives are full of all different kinds of circumstances, and no matter what it is, we can go to him. We can cry out to him, and he hears us, and he answers. The, the first two, just a little bit of review to uh, remind us, the first, the first two, the first one was about being lost and wandering, and and they didn't know where they were. And, 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 you know, I know what that's like. I've been there and done that. But it says that they cried out to the Lord and, they, and that he delivered them and he led them and he showed them the way. And that's what he'll do for you and me if we're lost. We don't know which way am I supposed to go. I don't know which way. I'm wandering and lost. Cry out to him. The second one he talked about was, was being in, in darkness and in gloom, really, and like a prisoner, being all bound up. And it said there that, that they had kind of got that way because they had rebelled against him. But even so, even though it was their own fault, and, and you know, let's face it, life is full of a lot of circumstances, as I've said, and some of them are our own making, of our own making, right? Some of the things we find ourselves in that are bad are, are just life. It's just the world we live in, is, it's difficult. It's a hard world. It's, it's a broken world is what it is. Sin has, you know, taken what God created, which was incredible and beautiful. The Garden of Eden was incredible. Sin has just wrecked it. God is going to make it right one day. We know that. But that's just, that's just the life, and we find ourselves in situations. But on the other hand, there are times when, it, you know, it's self-inflicted. We, we find ourselves in places because of what we have done. You know, the, the, the choices that we have made have got us to these certain places. But even so, even when we get ourselves into that mess, these messes, it says they cried out to him and he heard them. And it says that he saved them. And he brought them out of the darkness and the gloom. And he broke away their chains. Even though they had gotten there by their own choices, when they finally realized that, hey, I've kind of messed up pretty bad here. You know, this darkness, this gloom, these chains. I'm going to cry out to, to the Lord. I'm going to ask him to help me. And he did. And they rescued him. Excuse me. He rescued them. So even if it's our fault. Uh, so let's look at. Let's start at the end again, because I, I like the verse 43 in Psalm 107. 
We started there last time we did this study. It says, whoever is wise, let him heed these things and consider the great love of the Lord. If we're going to be wise, we need to listen up, pay attention, and consider that God loves us. His, his whole motivation is always love. Always, always, always love. So back to the beginning in verse 1, we're going to read that one one more time. It says, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. And his love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Let's, start tap, let's tap that out. Actually, we're going to sing that song at the end. We already have a song. We don't need to, to come up with a new tap. But, but you could do that. I'm not going to do it now because I've, I've got no rhythm. The next group, though, we want to look at, let's jump ahead to uh, verse 17. So this is the third group. Again, there's four groups of people. And the, the third group here is uh, <clears throat> about those who are in affliction, about those who are in distress. Look at verse 17 and 18. It says, some became fools. How? Through their rebellious ways. And suffered affliction because of their iniquities. They loathed all food and drew, the, uh, drew near the gates of death. So he's, he's talking about here affliction. He's talking about distress. He talks about, because the next verse says they were saved from their distress. They were in affliction and distress. And here it says that they were there because they were foolish. Because they were rebellious because of their own sins. Now... I know what some of you are thinking, because I think that I thought it as well. Does that mean that every bit of affliction, every bit of sickness, every bit of trouble that we face is because of what we have done? No, it's not. Some of it definitely is. Some addictions, some drugs, some alcohol, some problems even with gluttony, things that we do, things that we think, places we go, even, uh, you know, stuff that we allow ourselves to be exposed to in this world and in, in, in the media that, that is all around us. We're so connected, but I'm afraid of some of the things we're connected to are not very good for us. And we have to make choices. And so, but some of these things, they draw us in, they take us and they put us in these bad places and we find ourselves afflicted. Now again, not every affliction is because of our own fault, our own sin. You remember in the Gospel of John, right, there was a man that says he was, he was blind, right? And they, they, they came to Jesus and they said, Jesus, you know, was this man, was it his sin or was it his parents' sin that caused him to be afflicted like this? And what did he say? He said it was neither of them. He says, but that the glory of God might be shown. And God... God you know, did an incredible thing. Jesus healed that man. But, but part of this life, and again, this sin-wrecked world that we live in uh, brought it about. But, but here in this particular place, in this particular verse, he talks about being foolish through their rebellious ways. Fools. You know, uh, I'd like to tell you this, that the Bible says, the Bible teaches this. The Bible teaches that there is no God. Did you know that? The Bible teaches there is no God. Why? I'll, I'll put it up on the screen for you. You can see it. 
Actually, that is supposed to come in later, but let me read it to you. Psalm 53, 1, it says, The fool says in his heart, there is no God. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. Here it says in Psalm 107, they became fools uh, through their rebellious ways. And one of the most foolish things is to say there is no God. Why, why did I say earlier, though, that the Bible says it? Because you can take verses, you can take parts of a verse out of context. So you can take this saying, there is no God, take it out of context. And context means the things that are around it. And say the Bible says there is no God. Well, the Bible does say that, but it says the fool says in his heart, there is no God. This foolish thing of being rebellious against the creator, that there is no God. That's foolish. And, and I like, I like uh, Mr. T. He's one of my favorite characters. And he is a character. You know, it's a foolish thing. But that's what we do. We sang about it this morning. David sings in Psalm 25. He says, remember not the sins of my youth and my rebellious ways. Oh, God, remember me according to your love, for you are good. You know, our own sins, our own foolish, rebellious ways, it, it's in every one of us. You know, some of us, you say, well, you know what? That guy over there, he's so foolish and he does those things. But isn't it every one of us? Isn't it you and me? And when we begin to think that it's the other guy and not us, guess what trap we're falling into? It's pride, it's judgment, yeah. All these things. The fool said in his heart, there is no God. They became fools through their rebellious ways and they suffered affliction because of their iniquity. You know, the truth of the matter is, is that we, we do reap what we'll sow. That's what the Bible says. It's on the screen for you to read. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. What we put into the ground will come up out of the ground. Notice it says there, don't be deceived. Don't, don't think that, well, this isn't going to bother me. This isn't going to affect my life. This isn't going to you know, change and, and affect my relationships with other people if I do this thing. Don't be deceived by that. Why? Because he says God cannot be mocked. There's like this spiritual principles, this, uh, this spiritual thing that happens that, that whatever we sow, we will reap. He goes on in that verse. He says, the one who sows to please his flesh, from that flesh will reap destruction. But the one who sows to please the Spirit, capital Spirit, the Spirit of God, from the Spirit, will reap eternal life. The things we sow, we're going to reap. It's just a, a spiritual principle that we can't, we can't get around. We can't go around it and, and say, well, this is not going to bother me. This is not going to affect me. Whatever we sow, we're going to reap. The kind of seed you put into the ground, guess what? That's the kind of plant that's going to come up. So they were, they were foolish. They were rebellious. They did this, and they, they ended up being afflicted. In Psalm 119, it says this, Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I obey your word. 
Before I was afflicted, I went astray. He went down this path, and, it, and somehow it, it, it ended up him being afflicted. But, but there was a point when the writer of Psalm 119 said, you know what, i got to get right. He says, but now I obey your word. Before I was just doing my own thing. We saw that in the first part of this psalm. It says they, you know, they, they rebelled against the counsel of God. They, they rebelled in verse uh, 11. For they rebelled against the words of God. The psalmist says, but now I obey your word. I obey your word. Do we want to know? We want to find the right way. We, we need to find what God's word is and obey it. Verse 19, what does it say? This is a phrase that's repeated four times with all four scenarios here in the Psalm 107. It says, then. When? When is then? When they got really sick. When they were loathing off food. When they drew near the gates of death in verse 18. It says, then they cried to the Lord in their trouble. Why do we have to wait till we get like to the very worst that it can possibly be before we'll cry out for help? Why is that? They loathed all food, drew near the gates of death. And then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. Turn back with me, if you will, to Psalm 6. Uh, again, the Psalms, the Psalms, they have so many of these kinds of prayers, kinds of situations where they're calling out to the Lord. Look at uh, Psalm 6, starting in verse 1. This is another Psalm of David. He says there, O Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger or discipline me in your wrath. Be merciful to me, O Lord, for I am faint. O Lord, heal me, for my bones are in agony. My soul is in anguish. How long, O Lord, how long? Turn, O Lord. And deliver me, save me because of your unfailing love. No one remembers you when he is dead. Who gives you praise from the grave? He says, I am worn out from groaning. All night long I flood my bed with weeping and drench my couch with tears. That's a prayer. And do we have to get to that kind of, that kind of depths before we'll actually call out to the Lord? Where you know All I do is I, I can't even get up off the couch. I can't even get out of bed. You know, my pillow is soaked with tears. And finally, I'm going to cry out to the Lord for help. And it says here back in Psalm 107 that he saved them. He saved them from their distress. Who's the only one that can save us? Who's the only one that can heal us? Look at verse 20. I love what it says here in verse 20. It says, he sent forth his word and healed them. He sent forth his word and healed them. He rescued them from the grave. Isn't that powerful? You know, we, we heard some testimony here, and really what the testimony is about is God's word. It's really not about people. It's about uh, it's about God's word that can get into our lives and do something. So this particular phrase, I like to think about it in two ways. One is God's word, the word that he's given to us, the, the word of God that, that he's, he has provided to us. 
and, and through his word that he, as it says on the screen, he, he wants to save, he wants to heal us, he wants to encourage us, he wants to deliver us. And God will use his word in so many, many ways. And he does. I can't think, I can't even tell you over the last, you know, 42 years that I've been a believer, uh, how many times God has come to me and healed me and done a work in my life through his word. I can't, you know, there's no way to count the number of times where he has done a work in me through something from his word. You know, I, I talk about this a lot because, you know what, I was, I was taught this from a very early uh, stage in my Christian life to, to be in the word of God. And to have a devotional life where you read the Word of God. And so I read through it on a regular basis. I have, you know, I read in the Old Testament one day and the New Testament the next day. And I just keep reading. And I have, you know, I mark the pages. I write it down where I am. And so I pick up right where I left off. And I cannot tell you how many times when I was going through something that that specific verse that where I was next just happened to be what I needed to hear that day? Oh, it's just coincidence, right? No, it's, see, it's God's Word is living. The, it says God's Word is living and active. It's powerful. It's alive to speak to our hearts, to speak to you and to me. I'm going to have to look at this. I can't read that very well. Take this at least once a day or even more often. You can't overdose. You can't overdose. It's like, you know, you have some kind of affliction and the medicine will help you, but if you don't take the medicine, what good is it? It sits on the shelf, right? Now, I understand. I don't like to take medicines. I understand. But there's some medicines that are really good for you that you need to take. And I tell you what, the word of God is something. God sends forth his word and he heals. But if you don't ever open the book, if you don't ever take it in, in any way, shape, or form, how can he? You say, you keep, you keep uh, you know, rattling that same drum over and over. Yeah, because it is so important. You know, there's a guy, his name is Gail Irwin. Some of you have heard of him. And uh, he, he goes around the country speaking and he has like one message. He's called the Jesus style. Now, he has more than one message, but he, he really speaks about what Jesus is like, and that's his, his one message. And they used to say to him, why do you keep playing that one-string guitar? Why? Because it's about Jesus. It's about who he is. Why do you keep talking to us about getting into the Bible? Because you can't overdose, because it's good for you. Because God will speak to you. God will heal you. I, I promise that. I promise that because I know it's true. I know it by experience. I've seen it in, in countless other people's lives. It's been true from, from the very beginning how he gives us his word. He speaks his word into our lives. I said there was two ways I look at this phrase. The, that's the first one, through his word. The second one is where God specifically says the word and heals. God, God has a, a specific time and plan where he just speaks the word. You, you say, why do I say that? You think about in the Gospel of Matthew, the centurion, he comes to Jesus. He, he comes because he had a servant who was very, very ill, right? 
And Jesus said, okay, I'm going to come to your house. I'll come with you. We'll go there where he is. And this is what he said. He said, Lord, the centurion said this, Lord, I don't deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. Just say the word. When Jesus says something, you know what? It's going to happen. So, so I believe, I really believe that he is still speaking, that he is still and I, and I did a study about that not too long ago, that Jesus is still speaking. He's still speaking into hearts and lives today, in your heart and my heart. And he's still saying the word to heal. He still has a plan now. Does that mean he, he's going to heal every single disease and sickness? No, I, I don't think so. But there are times when I believe that he will say the word and he will heal. And, and, and if we don't ask him, how are we going to know? Right? Sometimes he says no. He told Paul the Apostle, no, my grace is sufficient for you. But there are other times, like with this centurion, he said, your servant is healed. And he went back and his servant was healed. Verse 21, it says, let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for men. Let them sacrifice thanks offerings. And tell of his works with songs of joy. I like that. I like that. It talks about giving thanks. It talks about thank offerings, sacrifice, thank offerings. And it talks about songs of joy. Say, so you're making this sound like church. Yeah, it is church. We're in church, but you know what? Your home should be like a church too, right? Your own heart, your, the sanctuary of your own heart to, to give him thanks for what he's doing. Now, maybe you don't have a relationship with him and he's not doing anything. Or maybe you're estranged, you're distant from him and you don't sense that he's doing everything, anything in your life. I think he personally that he is working in your life no matter where you are, no matter who you are. But to surrender to him and say, Lord, what do you want to do to get to this place of giving thanks? Notice that word he talks about a sacrifice. A sacrifice is something they, the Old Testament would talk about bringing sacrifices and putting it on the altar. And sometimes for you and I, a sacrifice of, of thanksgiving where we bring we have to do something. We bring it to him and say, Lord, I want to thank you. I want to do something. I want to say something. And even here, I want to sing something. A song of joy. I love that. Sometimes, you know, we sing all different kinds of songs. We have all different kinds of, you know, there are songs that are prayers, that are songs of worship, songs of, you know, sadness before the Lord. But there's also songs of joy. That's why, you know, the words of that song, you know, but I look up, I, I look up into the face of Jesus and because he, he can fill me, he can take away the darkness and fill me with joy. That's where I'm going to find it, looking in his face. The fourth group, the final group, is found in verses 23 and 24. And this one speaks about storms. Storms. Any of you ever face a storm before? Any of you ever been out on the sea in the middle of a storm? Anybody? Oh, man, more than I thought. 
you know what? I get seasick out on the bay, okay? <laughs> so for, for you, raise your hand again. Man, yikes. You want to come up here and teach this? It says, others, verse 23, they went out on the sea in ships, and they were merchants on the mighty waters. They saw the works of the Lord, his wonderful deeds in the deep. For he spoke, and he stirred up a tempest that lifted high the waves. They mounted up to the heavens, and they went down to the depths, in their peril, their, their courage melted away. They reeled and staggered like drunken men. And they were at their wit's end. Wow. Some of you now, if you're thinking about your experience, and again, it was like one quarter of you had been out on a boat in the middle of a storm, and you're thinking about your experience, you know, isn't it like what he's talking about here? This, this incredible, terrible thing. You're, you're way up and then you're way low. It says they saw the deeds, the, the works of the Lord, his wonderful deeds in the deep. They saw, and there is something majestic about the ocean, I have to say it. I don't like to be out there in a storm like that. I, like I said, I get very, very seasick. But there's something majestic about the, the vastness of this ocean, this, this incredible thing, isn't it? Like what, three quarters of the planet is covered with water, with, with the seas that he's, that he's created? There's something out there. They saw it. You can see it. I love to go to the ocean and watch the sunrise. I love to go to the ocean and watch the sunset. There's something about it. But notice verse 25. You have to look at this and think about this. It says that, that he spoke. Who spoke? God spoke. For he spoke and he stirred up a tempest that lifted high the waves. So where did the storm come from? It says God sent it. God had a hand in it. You say, oh man, I mean, God's the reason why I'm going through a storm? And I want to apply this to our own lives. You know, it's not just being out on the ocean in a ship where we're facing a storm. Lives, our lives are full of storms, right? Maybe you're in the middle of a storm right now and you, you barely could get yourself here today because the storm is like so intense. I'm glad you came. And now, though you're telling me that God did this, that God sometimes stirs it up, I, I don't think he does it all the time, but sometimes he does. And I had to ask the question, why would he do that? And this is my answer is, is really to bring us to the end of ourselves, to bring you and me to the end of ourselves, to bring me to the end of myself. Why? Because we think we can do it. Until we realize how small we are, and, and again, that's one of the things about being in the sea, you know, we realize, you know, it doesn't matter how big of a boat you're on, it's just like a little toothpick. It's just like a little nothing in the, in the giant, the vastness of the ocean. You're like nothing. And so the storms in our lives, you know, that, that we might realize that, that we are nothing and he is everything. 
But isn't it like that sometimes? You know, we're, we're way high and then we're way low. It's like a roller coaster. Is any of you, you know what I'm talking about? The roller coaster of life? Some of you are just so calm, cool, and collected, and you're just like sailing along like this all the time. But most of us are like this. Whoa! You know, up and down. Like, wow. Any of you can relate to this at all? Just in case. You know, the disciples, they were out on the sea in Matthew chapter 8. It says, without warning, they're on the, the Sea of Galilee, right? That's not even the ocean. You can see to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. But it says, without warning, a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. Whoa. And the disciples, they went to him, and they woke him up, and they said, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. We're going to drown. Isn't that what's happening here in Psalm 107? It says their, their courage melted away. Now, these are sailors. Most of them are sailors. This is the Sea of Galilee. And they come, and they woke up Jesus. Lord, save us. We're going to drown. Isn't that what's happening here? It says their courage, it melted away. They were at their wit's end. They didn't know what they were going to do. How are we going to survive? How am I ever going to go forward after this? You know, how am I ever going to make sense of what is going on in my life? Man. This is, what, this is why the, the Bible is so, is so relevant isn't it? It's so real. When someone cries out, they're not just saying things. Verse 28, then, then, when? When they had no courage. When they were at their wits end. It's not when they were so full of faith. When they were finally so full of faith, they realized, you know, I'm going to I'm going to say this incredible spiritual prayer. I'm going to get all spiritual now. No, it says they had no courage. They were completely destroyed, discouraged, if you will. It says then. Then they cried out to the Lord in their distress. Sometimes that's what it takes to bring us to pray. A, pr a storm brings us to prayer. And sometimes it brings us to desperate prayer. Desperate prayer. And what does God do? It says he brought them out of their distress. He brought them out of their distress. Look at, look at uh, verse 29. I love this. It says he stilled the storm to a whisper. The waves of the sea were hushed, and they were glad when it grew calm, and he guided them to their desired haven. He stilled the storm to a whisper. Now, can you and I do that? When the storms are happening in my life and I try to make it better, I try to fix it, guess what happens? It just gets worse, right? But when God does something, that, 
that's, that's, when God, that's when things change. That's when things happen, when He sends forth His Word. Now, Jesus, the, the, the second half of that story in Matthew chapter 8, Jesus, after, you know, they woke Him up, He was probably, you know, having a really nice, restful sleep. He wasn't all worried about the storm. He wasn't freaking out. In fact, uh, one of the situations says, you know, He told them, let's go to the other side, and then they all freak out. Jesus knew they were going to get to the other side. He knows what's going to happen. He already knows. But he got up and he said, you know what? I was really sleeping well. Why did you wake me up? He said this, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? And then he got up and he rebuked the winds and the waves and it was completely calm. It was completely calm. He, he can quiet the storms in your life. He can. You know what I find in my own personal experiences? It's not so much what's raging around me. Guess what it is? Yeah, it's what's raging inside me. And when he speaks and when he calms the storm, most often it's because he calms me. He doesn't always calm the stuff that's creating all of it, but the stuff that's raging inside of me, he calms that storm, makes me calm inside. And, and I can't do that. Oh, I could go take another pill if I had one. I could go, you know, have another drink. I could go find another thing to make, you know, it go away. And that's what we do. We go to all these different things when we, what we need to do is to go to him. Cried out to the Lord. Who stilled. What does it say? He stilled the storm to a whisper. The ways of the sea were hushed. That word uh, used there, it, it's related to the word in 1 Kings 19. I didn't write this down, but you know where Elijah was out in the cave, you know, and and there was all this radical stuff going on, you know, earthquakes and fires and all kinds of stuff. And, but it says that at the end, it says the Lord spoke to him by a still, small voice. We need to pay attention when he does something, you know, radical and he brings this quietness and this stillness in our lives to pay attention to what he's trying to say to us. Because maybe... Just maybe there's something that will help us in the next storm or maybe to avoid getting into that same place. Verse 30, we're almost done here. It says, they were glad when it grew calm and he guided them to their desired haven. I thought that was interesting too. He guided them to their desired haven, what they'd, what they'd wanted, what they what they really wanted, and he got them there. Reminds me of that proverb says, you know, or is it a psalm? Delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Psalm 107, verse 31 and 32, let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for men. Let them Exalt him 
in the assembly of the people and praise him in the council of the elders. In the assembly where we all gather together, but also in these smaller gatherings and even among the leadership. Different places, publicly, privately, thanking him for his love and for his deeds. I want to close in the New Testament. Let's turn to Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17, verse 11. You'll remember this when you, when you get to it. And you'll understand why I wanted to close here. Luke chapter 17, verse 11. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And as he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. And they stood at a distance. They called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And when he saw them, he said, go and show yourselves to the priests. That's what the Old Testament uh, prescribed. And as they went, they were cleansed. In other words, they were healed. Verse 15, one of them... When he saw he was healed, he came back, praising God in a loud voice. And he threw himself at Jesus' feet, and he thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And then he said to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. You kind of get the idea, right? There's only one. Ten of them were healed, but only one of them took the time to go back and say thank you. Only one returned and gave praise to God. And he was a Samaritan. He wasn't, he wasn't even one of the ones that should have known better. Sometimes... We're put to shame really by people who, who aren't even followers of Jesus and they're thankful for different things. And you and I are not thankful at all for all the things that God has done in my life. Man, I should be saying Thanksgiving every... I should have a turkey every single day. I think. <laughs> you, get, you get kind of sick of turkey and it makes you sleepy, they tell me. Or is that just from eating too much? Have we thanked him? Have we stopped to say thank you? Have we gone back? That's the sacrifice. The sacrifice of thanksgiving. Have we, have we taken some time to stop and say, wait, I've got to stop here a minute, and I've got to say thank you. Lord, thank you that I got up out of bed today. Thank you that I, that I have a car to drive in. Thank you that I had some food today. Thank you that we have a warm place. Thank you that, you know, it's not snowing Thank you that, you know, you have given me a mind to be able to do a job that I go to. Thank you that you provide money for me to pay the bills. Thank you for, for, for all the things that you've done in my life. Thank you that you have a, a place in heaven prepared for me. I've got to stop sometimes and say thank you. So... In summary, you know, all these four different groups here, you know, those that are wandering, 
those that are in darkness, those that are afflicted, those that are in the storm, a raging storm? The answer is the same. It's always the same. Cry out to him. And he hears us. He'll answer. And when he does, not if, but when he does, let's thank him. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for all your goodness to us. Lord, you have made life possible. You've given us life because you gave your life that we might have life. Father, I don't know what's going on in, the, in these folks' lives here today. I, I kind of only know uh, what is going on in my own heart, my own life, what I have to face, what I have to get up and deal with uh, each and every day. And it's so incredible that you uh, are always there. You're never more than a prayer away to meet us right where we are. And, and you're always there for me. Not once have you left me on my own. I thank you for that. I thank you, Lord, that each person in this room has their own life, their own situation, their own circumstance, and, and yet you hear them when they cry out to you. Maybe that's, maybe that's you right now. Maybe there's something, you, you're just in the middle of something. You want to cry out to him. And you do it right now. Speak to him in your heart. We don't need to know about it. Cry out to him in your heart. Maybe you've been holding back and fighting it. Maybe it's time you just say, okay, I'm at the end. My, I got no more courage. I, my courage is all melted away and my, I'm at my wit's end. I got nowhere else to go. I'm, I'm at death's door. At the gates of death. Doesn't look like there's any way I can survive. And I turn to you now. I call out to you now. Cry out to you. I want you to know it doesn't matter how you get there. It, all that matters is that you get there and you cry out to him and he will answer you and hear you save you, rescue you. I want you to know that because that's what his word teaches us. Lord, we cry out from the depths of our hearts to you this morning. Save us, rescue us, heal us, help us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's, let's all stand and sing together, shall we?